Justin in the first service uh, came up and he said, for those of you who don't know me and those of you who are visiting, my name is Grayson. So maybe I should say, for those of you who don't know me and for those of you who are visiting, my name is Philip Brand. Um, I'm here today and uh, I'm the pastor here at this church. And oh, um, you might need these. There you go, yeah. I felt like he needed his keys, yeah. So yeah, so um, so anyway, uh, man, that really threw me off for a minute. Sorry about that. How's everybody? Good? Everybody having a good week so far? It's the first day of it, so it should be pretty good, right? Should be pretty good. Enjoying the rain? Yeah, how many of you, like, took a nap yesterday because of the rain, Okay. Right? How many of you slept in because of the rain? Like you slept in later because of the rain? Yeah. Isn't it a great day like when it's kind of like, like gray outside and it's, it's kind of feeling, feeling good and you can kind of go to sleep and you kind of, kind, kind of sit back and just kind of go off to sleep. Everything gets kind of quiet, right? Yeah. So let's not do that right now. Okay? So, <laughs> so um, I am going to the eye doctor. Uh, on the 21st of September, um, just for a checkup, nothing to be concerned about. And so, you know, I, I got to thinking, and I've been thinking this for a while. Most of the time when you go past an autometry sign, it looks like this, right? Hillsdale Autometry. This is not where I go, by the way, and this is not even the Hillsdale you know, right? I just pulled this offline. So uh, Hillsdale Autometry, family eye care. And I thought, marketing-wise, um, I don't think that this is very effective. I think, you know, you, you look at it and you can see that it is Hillsdale Autometry, Family Eye Care. It has the phone number very clear without an area code, right? Without an area code, so you would know the area code if you lived in that area. And then it has the doctors down at the bottom. What I feel like a good sign is, is when the people see it and they feel like that they need what they are seeing, Right? So you have these signs, and, and they, they portray something that you just feel like you need. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you feel like you need it. And so my suggestion for autometry signs, if they want more people, they want more business, is to do it this way. <laughs> because then when you pass it, you're like, oh, I might need to go get my eyes checked, right? So, so yeah, that's, that's just what it is. Um, I would like you just for a few moments, just shout it out. And if I can't hear you, I'll just ask you. What do you think that everybody needs? What would be something that everybody would need? Okay, Jesus. I knew that would be number one. What else? God, which is kind of the same thing as Jesus. Good. Water. Everybody needs water. We need that to survive. Food. Yes, food, Baptist. I can't believe that was number four. Yeah. Yeah, we went water first and then food down at the bottom. Yeah. The Methodist over here said water, then the Baptist got involved. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. What else? What else do we need? Food? Air? We need air? Gas? Gasoline? Shelter? Yeah, so all of these are, are things that we need. Yes, love as well. Yeah, that's good. Um, 
So all of these are things that we need. And so when we go to pray for people, these are some of the things that we should pray that they have, right? So if you know that the person is a Christian, you say, may, may Jesus just guide them today and in everything that they do. May he encompass them and they have eyes only for Jesus during the day. So you, you pray that for people. If it's someone that is having difficulties at home with water, of course, you're going to pray for water, but you definitely pray for people to be supplied with what they need, food, water, and clothing. So you always pray, so you know that those are things that you pray for people that you know, right? Because sometimes you're trying to pray for people, and you don't really know what to pray for. It's easy when somebody's going through a trial, right, to know what to pray for. Somebody gets some bad news, you hear about it, a family or a loved one passes away or, or whatever it is, you know what to pray for those people. You know what to offer up. But sometimes if you're just praying in general for people, you might not know exactly what to pray for them. Well, this morning, I'm going to tell you some things from Scripture that everybody needs you to pray for them. Okay? So I'm going to give you some of those things. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, we'll begin reading in verse 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. And this is what it says. Now may our God and Father himself and the Lord Jesus direct our way to you. So this is Paul praying for the people of the Thessalonican church. He's praying for them. Now may our God the Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. A couple of things about this. First of all, it says God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, which is singular people. So that's two people. And then he says direct our way to you. And that particular verb there is actually singular. This shows a testimony that there is a trinity. And at least in this verse, God the Father and God the Son are the same person, right? They're the same God, two separate persons but the same God. So it shows this. Um, if it was to be plural, if he was going to make it plural, he would have said, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ, may they direct our way to you. Do you see the difference? Instead he just says, hey, Direct our way to you, as if they're both one. The other thing about this is God the Father himself. And so what he's saying is, it's like emphasized, God the Father himself. Like you would say, um, the governor came here himself, right? Or your boss came to the party himself. Uh, the captain came himself. Probably not as exciting if a captain comes. Well, I guess if it was the military, it'd be pretty exciting, I guess, maybe. But no, captain probably isn't a, a good thing. Um, a famous person. Give me a famous person. I didn't hear that one. I heard it, but it didn't. A famous person? Huh? Tom Cruise himself came here to church. And when he came, he jumped out of an airplane and rode all the way into our parking lot with a parachute, got off and walked into the church. And we watched it on video. Yeah, Tom Cruise himself came to the church. It's kind of like that, except for, I think it's a little bigger. God the Father himself. So what he's saying is, we get to pray 
to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And that is a privilege. There's a lot of people that say that you only pray to God the Father. But in Scripture, it seems that you can pray to God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And I know that isn't here, but definitely the Lord Jesus is someone that we can say, Hey, Jesus, I need your help. Right? I need your help. And he says, direct our way to you. So Paul is praying, because he loves these people, that God the Father and God, and God the Son would direct his way, would allow him to come visit them because he loves them and he wants to see them. So let me come to see them, Lord. And he's prayed this prayer over and over again. We know from Scripture that Paul finally was able to get to this church and, the, and see these people five years after he wrote these words. Five years. Five years. Five years is a long time, isn't it? Five years. I'm praying to get there, but I can't go. I'm praying to get there, but I can't go. Have you ever had prayers that just did not happen immediately? Like you prayed for them and you really wanted them to be answered immediately and they just wasn't answered immediately. Here's one that he's praying for, the Apostle Paul. In my opinion, one of the greatest apostles of all time. He's praying a prayer to God and God waits five years before he answers that prayer. Have you ever had any prayers that it took 10 years for them to get answered? 20 years for them to answer, get answered. Do you know that there's some prayers that I have prayed that I know will not be answered until after I die? For instance, I have prayers for this particular church because I don't know if you know this or not. Unless Jesus comes back, you and I, we got about 50 years and we're done. Some of you younger ones probably a little bit longer, but about 50 years. That, that's an astounding thing to think about, isn't it? I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but you're mortal, right? And if you're 30 in this room, that would make you 80 and people don't last much longer after 80. Not many people, statistically. I know you're going to be the one that will be 114 saying, I, I drank Dr. Pepper morning and evening and I'm just fine. I know you think you're going to be that person. But to be honest with you, I'm not so sure I want to get to 100. Because of your health, right? And the way that things last. So you and I probably will not be here. So I've prayed for things. And what I've prayed for this church is that God will continue to make this location a place where heaven touches down on earth. So after we're gone and after I'm no longer the pastor and after you're, you're in the grave as well, that there's a new group of people. There's a new pastor, a new staff. There's a new people in the room that are continuing the work that he has started here. Right? Because that's what you want. You want this church to continue. In other words, in 50 to 60 years, there's going to be a lot of people in this church that you and I do not know as we look down from heaven. But we will see an answer to our prayer. So God often answers prayer after we're gone. I have preached funerals before where the person in the casket, for instance, prayed for Uncle Bob to be saved. And their entire life, they did not see Uncle Bob get saved. But at the funeral, Uncle Bob decides to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. It is a prayer that they prayed that they never saw in this life answered. But God answered it as a result of that funeral and their death. So God, in his sovereignty, for some reason, just has a timetable for when he answers your prayers and when he answers my prayers. But he is always listening and he's always going to answer them. 
I'll cover this, and then we're going to go to the next thing, okay? There are some times that I've prayed a prayer that was stupid. Have you ever prayed a prayer that was stupid? You didn't think it was stupid at the time, but it was stupid. One of the ways that you know that it was stupid is because God decided to answer that particular request in another way, right? So you prayed this particular prayer, and you looked for him to answer that prayer, and then he, prayed, he answered it in a better way. And if you're spiritually attuned to what he's doing, you realize that he took what you requested and the stupidity, and he upped the IQ level to where he answered it to where it was something that you really needed and would really help you. Are you tracking? Because sometimes my prayers have a low IQ level, like it's down here. It's really dumb. Usually those prayers happen when I'm upset or frustrated, right? I'll blurt out these prayers that are just stupid, just absolutely stupid. And sometimes it is because I'm so emotionally drawn to a particular situation that I pray for a solution that I think would be the greatest solution in the world. And so I pray for that, that solution, and I'll wait for it to happen, and it doesn't happen. But what I notice is that God took whatever I prayed, and he answered it in a better way. And he wiped this out to say, this would have really been dumb, but this is really what needed to happen. So there's sometimes that God answers our prayers, and he just does it in another way. And this particular prayer is remarkably specific. I want God the Father and Jesus Christ to direct my path to come see you. This is tangible. Like, you can write this in a journal, and say, I am waiting for this specific prayer request to be answered. I am waiting for it to be answered. And you can check on it. The reason you and I often do a general swoop of a prayer is because we are a little afraid to make them very specific. We're a little afraid. Because what if God doesn't answer that prayer? And it's just too specific. But God wants you and I to be very specific in our praying. He wants us to tell him exactly what we're thinking. Look, he knows anyway. He knows what you want. He knows what you really want to say. So just go ahead and say it. And write it down and see how he answers it. Whether he changes it or answers it exactly the way that you wanted it, he will answer that prayer. And so five years later... Paul had to wait five years for an answer to his prayer. But that isn't what everybody needs. Okay? That isn't what everybody needs. The next verse tells us those things. It says, And may the Lord, that's Jesus Christ, make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. What does everybody need? Everybody needs love. Thank you, Beatles. Oh, thank you. There, there's some heathen in, in this room, as well as me. And then, you know, there's a people. Did he mention the Beatles in church? Okay. No. Okay. Anyway, everybody needs love, right? Everybody does. So the first word here that he says, uh, may the Lord make you, and he's praying this for them, make you increase. Um, a couple years ago, actually probably six or seven years ago, um, I turned on the baptistry to fill it up, okay? And the baptistry takes about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes to fill all the way up with the water. And we try to get it to a 
to a certain level, like, like right here where this cross is, like the water right there, so you can see them go down and all that kind of stuff. So I started the baptistry, and I forgot about it. I went to lunch. I went to lunch and came back. Robin is working in her office. I'm not saying that Robin, Robin's brilliant. She's she's good, good worker, all that kind of stuff. She just sit and walked down the hall to see where the where the baptistry was leaking into the hall way. And so it was overflowing. The water increased to the place where it just overflowed. Now I'm sure that it was up underneath this area of stage right here. And you can get up underneath there if you wanted to to clean all that up. But Philip ain't going up underneath there. They're what's called spiders, and spiders like water. That's why they're in your bathrooms. See, I've studied spiders because you always know your enemy. And so the water goes over, and I'm sitting there, and it's just sloshing around, right? And so we don't have a shot vac. We don't have anything, so we're calling people for shot vacs. Um, Angie York came out, and do you remember this? And, and sucked up some water, and for days, we, for days we were sucking up water. Like you would suck it up, and more would just continue to come, even though we had cut off the, the baptistry. And so we had fans and all kinds of, kinds of stuff. So, on. so it saturated the carpet in the hallway and probably up underneath this area right here. It never reached this carpet right here. So it's saturated. This particular word here in Scripture, and may the Lord make you increase, is a word that means to saturate. It means to overflow. So Paul is praying for these people that God's love will overflow in their life and saturate everything that they do. Everything that they do. If they are going to Walmart, that love, God's love, would saturate everything they do, every product that they buy, everything that everybody that they interact with in that store, that it would saturate everything that they do. He is praying that God's love would saturate, would overflow in their life in such a way that everything that they say and every conversation that they had would just be saturated and would just be overflowing with God's love. This isn't like a kumbaya thing, okay, where you just kind of just feel the love, you know. Kumbaya, you know, it's not that kind of love. The love that he's talking about here is, is really... Not only the good stuff that we like, but also the tough love that we often have to display toward other people. Have you ever had to display tough love toward people? Like they're doing something that's not right, and you had to live a little bit of tough love in their lives. Every parent in this room should be shaking their head. Right? Your kids do something wrong, and it's time to do some tough love. And sometimes that comes in the form of a spanking. Sometimes that comes in the form of, I'm taking your car, I'm taking your keys, you're not going to be able to play video games, you know, whatever it might be, but there's a punishment that happens. That's tough love. Tough love is a part of that saturation. Okay? It's a part of that saturation. Jesus demonstrated this type of love in his life. He did. He demonstrated this type of love in his life. Does anybody remember the temple? And he went into the temple and he got upset because there were money changers taking advantage of people. So he brought out what's called a whip. And he got rid of those people. It's not because he didn't love the money changers. It's because what they were doing was wrong. 
And so he ran them out of the temple. You remember when you were a couple years ago, like when some of us were younger, and it was always, what would Jesus do? Remember that? I would sit, I would sit in the congregation thinking, he grabbed a whip. I think this is a great idea. What would Jesus do? He beat the fool out of you is what he did. You didn't, yeah, because you always love, right? But you don't love. But he did that out of love. There's places in Scripture where Jesus looks at Jerusalem and he weeps for the people of Jerusalem because they are not following him. Love is not the acceptance of what is wrong. Love is feeling like, oh my goodness, they could have so much, they could have a life that was so much better if they would just follow God. And it's a sadness. Sometimes love is sad. But love here in Scripture and Paul praying says, I want these people to overflow with love and it saturate everything that they do. Now, there's another word here. There's another word here. It's called abound. How many of you like leftovers? How many of you like leftovers? Just raise your hand. Yeah, leftovers. How many of you do not like leftovers? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I do not really like leftovers. There are some exceptions, Okay. I'll give you one. Ice cream. I'm good with ice cream being a leftover. You take it out, bowl of it, put it back in the freezer, you bring it back out, it tastes the same. But a lot of stuff just doesn't taste the same the next day. There's another leftover that I really like. One is Rice Krispie Chicken, which I can't explain that to you. You would just have to have it. And the second one is country-style steak is just better the next day. Like it sits in the crock pot all day, right? But if you can stick that sucker into the refrigerator and bring it back out and warm it up slowly, it is to die for the second day. All that flavor just, is your mouth watering yet? If you like countryside, I mean, it just is all in there. So I like that sort of leftover. Here, this particular word abound means leftovers. It means leftovers. Paul is not only praying that these people will increase in love and it will saturate everything that they do, but at the end of the day, there will be enough of God in their life, enough of his love in their life that it will be left over and they will go to sleep with God's love, his love leftovers, as they put their head down on their pillow and they begin to close their eyes to go to sleep. See, some of us get to the end of the day And it is not God's love that is left over, is it? It is our anger that is left over. It is our frustration that is left over. It is our worry about something that is left over. And we go to bed at night with those leftovers, which are horrible leftovers. Wouldn't you agree? Just horrible leftovers. And we try our best to go to sleep. And we just can't go to sleep. And so Paul is saying, I don't want any of that for you. What I want is God's love to be left over at your day. That you live God's love in such a way that even if you're frustrated during the day, that the saturation of love into that frustration and the saturation of his love into everything that you do will be left over at the end of the day so the frustration will not keep you up at night, so the worry will not keep you up at night, so the anger will not keep you up at night, so that all you have left at the end of the day is God's love and you have so much of it that there's a reserve of it and you go to sleep in the arms of the God who loved you and created you and you feel it. Isn't that something that everybody needs? 
Everybody in this room needs to be prayed for in that particular way. Lord, please saturate their lives today with your love and do it in such a way that at the end of the day, that is what they have left over. That's what they have left over. Um, we've had a toilet problem here at the church. Yeah? The sermon just went like this. He's talking about toilet. Toilets. Why is he talking about toilets? We had a toilet problem. <clears throat> the first toilet problem happened, well, what I think is the first toilet problem, somebody could correct me later, but I think this was the first toilet problem, was in our handicapped bathroom right here. There was water all over the floor. Somebody came in on Friday, I think, and they cleaned it all up. I don't know who that is, but I appreciate that, even though I don't know who cleaned it up, but they cleaned it all up, and I heard about it on Monday of this week. And so something happened, water kept going, there's water on the floor. On Sunday of last week, in the women's bathroom, in the handicapped side of their bathroom, which I've been in there before during the week to fix things, but I know where it is, so there... Um, there was water all over the floor, so somebody had to mop all of that up, right? So there was a toilet problem there. And then Sunday morning, there was also in the little bitty toilet in between the preschool rooms, right, right over here. Now, you might not know where that is, and I'm glad because you should not be using that toilet. <clears throat> Way too small for you. So that one also over, overflowed. So on Monday, my question was, was the water clean? Was the water clean on the floor when you were cleaning it up? Like, was it clean or was it dirty? Because once you have one, two, three, I start thinking other things. I might not be a plumber, but I can pretty much tell you what's wrong, right? The reason is because I have experience with that. For instance, a couple years ago in my house, toilet kept overflowing. We did not know why. The water wasn't running in the tank, but the, it kept overflowing, and it wasn't clean. So eventually, all of the stuff in my septic tank, thank you, I, I was trying to say sewage and forgot septic, came out into the floor of one of our bathrooms and went down the hallway into my kitchen. And if you know anything about me, I don't like germs, and that was really sickening to me. So we were really trying to clean all of that up because water only goes one or two ways. It either comes out of the tank here and overflows and it's clean, or it comes up from the septic tank and it's dirty and it's absolutely horrible, absolutely horrible at all. In all, all so I asked. So they said it was clean. So I was really glad it was clean, really glad it was clean. Listen, something always overflows with you every day that you live. Something does. And it is either God's love or it's frustration. It is either God's love or it's anger. It is either God's love or some sort of sin that you shouldn't be participating in. It is either God's love or you're living like the devil in your life. And if you are doing any of this over here, the septic part of your heart is what is overflowing and saturating not only you, but everybody in your life. And nobody is happy because you are not living in God's love. You are saturating people with something. And it's coming from your heart. And it's either the heart that God has saved or it's the heart that is still fallen and dirty and awful. 
So this prayer is very important because every Christian at the end of their day should not be spewing stuff from their septic tank. They should be spewing stuff from the love that saved them and saturating people in this world with that. It smells better, <laughs> right? It smells better, looks better, it is better because it comes from the heart of God. So this is how this works. When you get frustrated, when you get frustrated, because we're going to get frustrated. I don't know if you watch the news lately, and I don't care which side you're on. It, it's frustrating. If you hear what's happening in our, in our school system, it's frustrating. If you hear what's happening in our culture, it's very frustrating. And when you get frustrating, what has to happen at that time is that frustration has to be infused, saturated with love so that you can operate in that frustration appropriately. If you do not saturate it with God's love, you will not react to that frustration appropriately. When it comes to anger, and you get angry because we're all going to be angry, and the Bible says to be angry and sin not. The way that you're angry and sin not is when you get angry, you allow love to saturate that anger. And that way, you can stand for what is right in the right way while caring for people. See, if you don't let love saturate it, that anger, what happens is that anger turns to hate really quickly, and you wind up hurting people rather than helping people. You wind up being against people rather than trying to help them see something better, trying to help them move to a better day. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's all in your attitude. So when, when, your, when God's love saturates your anger, you actually do good in the world because anger creates a tension for you to stand for what is right. And ladies and gentlemen, there's times that we need to have holy anger and stand for what's right and care for people at the same time. We don't just do it because we are angry and we become hateful. See, when you operate in this arena, that's where self-righteousness comes to bear. That's where you begin to look down on people that are not living like you live. Or like you think they should supposed to live and you think that you're better than them. When you allow love to saturate it all, there's a humbling effect on your soul and you're more concerned about the person's well-being than anything else. And you just want them to know the truth. This is the first motivation for sharing the gospel. You saturate your life with love. You saturate it with God's love. And you share because you are concerned about where people are going. And then you just continue. So if stuff happens in school or at your job or in your home that isn't supposed to happen, what you have to do is saturate that with love and then act accordingly out of concern and care. And then, at the end of the day, what you'll find is you will have love left over as you lay your head down on the pillow, and you will be able to sleep. We need to pray this for all of our people here at this church. We need to pray this for people. That love will increase and will saturate everything they do, and that they'll have love left over at the end of the day. Paul prayed it for this church, and he didn't stop there. Check out verse 13. It says, so he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before God and Father, before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. A couple of things. First of all, you cannot live blameless and holy 
unless you are first living the love of God in everything that you do. You can't do it. You can't operate in a state of blamelessness, of holiness, if you are not demonstrating the love of God in your life. The love of God comes first in that equation, and then blameless, blamelessness and holiness is established in your heart. See, if you're establishing something else besides the love of God in your heart, something else is going to come out, and it's not going to be blameless, and it's not going to be holy. So you establish the love of God in your heart, and then you can be blameless, and you can be holy, and get this, you can be ready for Jesus Christ to return. How many of you are ready, in a general sense, for Jesus Christ to return, to come back, to straighten all this out? Yeah, there's a couple different, different ways that we are ready for Jesus to come. One is because we're irritated at the things of the world, right? We're just irritated at it. We just wish he would come and fix it all. But are you morally ready? See, through the blood of Jesus Christ, of course we're ready. All our sins are forgiven. But are you acting like it? If he was to come back today, would he find you saturating everybody with his love and having love, his love, left over at the end of your day? Would that love, would he find you established in blamelessness and holiness as a result of you living his love out in your life and everything that you do? Would he find you in that state? And that is what he wants. So Paul knows that this is a tall order because there's all kinds of stuff that will frustrate you and get you angry in this life. There are just... If the world wasn't filled with people, this would be a lot easier. Just be a lot easier. Just a lot easier. But alone you can't do it. And he knows that you have to have the love of God for people in order to be blameless and holy for him. Jesus is returning. He's returning. We have to be ready. Now, this verse says that your hearts will be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all his saints. Now, with all his saints there is not fellow believers and fellow Christians. Actually, all his saints should be interpreted holy angels because God, Jesus, is coming and he's going to have angels with him when he comes. And we will meet him in the air. We'll meet him in the air. So let me prepare you for this a little bit. Okay? If you're saved, it's called the rapture. It comes before the tribulation. We'll meet him in the air with the dead in Christ. We'll be, we'll be with him in the air. Then, at the end of the tribulation, Jesus comes back with horses. Same thing. And um, there's people on the earth that has gotten saved during the tribulation. It's a little bit different. He's going to come, and we're going to be with him in the air, and they're going to rise up, right, and join us in that army. That's what's going to happen. That's how that rolls. So we're at the portion where Jesus comes back with all his holy angels, and we meet them in the air. And I can't wait to do that. Love to do that. But our prayer for each other should be this, that we are ready not just because we're irritated and we're concerned about what is happening in the world, but we're ready, being blameless and holy, because we're people of love that saturates everything that we do with love, and we have love left over at the end of the night. I know I've said that over and over again, but I've meant to, because I think you just need to hear it. I want you to go to sleep tonight thinking about this. 
Am I praying for people for God's love to show in their life in such a way that it cannot be missed? In such a way that there's so much of an abundance that there's a reservoir of it when they go down to sleep at night and they wake up with that extra love in the morning. And then I want God to increase that love even more and more and more and more and more and more and more. Am I praying for that? And then second, am I living that way? Am I really living that way? Maybe the first place to start in this prayer is to say this, Lord, please let your love show in my life. Let it saturate everybody and everything that I do. Let that be the thing that they see. And Father, do it so much. Don't turn off the water. Don't turn off the love. Don't turn it off. Because at the end of this day, I want love left over before I go to bed. Maybe you should start with yourself, praying that for yourself, and then go the next step and start praying it for others. Because that is what everybody needs. Everybody. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the stage you've given us. And what I would like to do right now, Father, is pray for everybody in this room. I pray, Father, that as they leave here and during this week, that everything they say, everything they do will be saturated with your love. I pray, Father, that at the end of the night, everybody in this room and everybody that's watching, before they go to bed, they will still feel your love before they put their head on your pillow. And that they will know that they lived your love in this world. Whether it was tough love or an easy way to love people, they will know that they fulfilled that in their life. And next day, it will just continue to increase and things be saturated with that so that we all can be blameless and holy at your appearing. Father, I pray for some people in this room that have been praying for healing for some type of physical ailment, some type of health issue. It just hasn't come yet. They wish it would just go ahead and come and your hands of healing would be on their body and things would just be done. Maybe they struggle a little bit from time to time at the slowness that they think of your response to their prayer. Father, I just pray that in a very significant way today that you'll let them know that you have heard their prayer. I pray that you'll answer their prayer, but if that's not in your timing, I pray, Father, that you will let them know that you have heard them. I pray for the ones in this room that have been praying for family members to be saved or to change or to to come back to you. I pray, Father, that they'll continue that prayer. The same thing will happen, that you will let them know in some way that you have heard them. Some people have, have prayers about their job and what's happening there. It's very difficult to go to work. They're praying for a new job or a new kind of um, environment to work in. And it doesn't seem like that you have you have answered that prayer yet. I pray, Father, that in a very significant way, you'll also let them know that you have heard them. It might not be right now, but you have heard them, and that you're working this out for their good. So, Lord, we lay all of those things at your feet. We 
thankful that we can bring them to you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing. I'm here to pray for you this morning.